1: Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as we begin to close down another week in Biden's America. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please follow me on social media if you are not already. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley, also by email, I can be reached at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. So shoot me a note and let me know what's on your mind. Okay, coming up here on the show next week, We're going to talk to the amazing Gavin Wax. If you don't know who he is, Gavin Wax is a young guy, uh, a firebrand, MAGA, Republican, populist, conservative, just an amazing guy who has taken the young Republicans of New York and breathed new life into it. That, that organization used to be left for dead. And I know because I live in New York, left for dead young Republicans in New York. What are you kidding? (laughs) So Gavin Wax comes along and says, you know what? We're not dead. And there are a ton of Republicans and populists and pro Trump folks. In New York, we're just a small minority, and we're going to bring new life into the, the cause, into America First in New York City. And so he's turned this organization around and done phenomenal things with it. And the reason why you should care is because if what Gavin Wax has done in New York City, the belly of the beast, it, if it's possible there, it is possible anywhere in America, so I don't want anybody to give up. If you're listening to this podcast and you're America First and you're sitting in Chicago and you want to pull your hair out or Washington DC or Boston, San Francisco, Portland, I feel your pain. We understand we are in a minority, but that doesn't make it impossible. So Gavin Wax is going to be here and uh, I want him to to talk to us about what he's done, of course, and the America First movement in these deep blue areas. But I also want to talk to him about another bellwether, because what we're seeing now, guys, happening in deep blue cities is quite the sea change. Nobody else really wants to talk about this. I mean, the the propaganda press does not want to cover this for obvious reasons, but we are seeing big numbers, significant numbers of minority voters saying that they are done with the Democrat Party. And they're taking another look at Donald Trump. They're taking another look at the Republican Party. I'm not talking about, you know, millions of voters, but I'm talking about significant enough numbers of voters among minorities to actually tilt elections. It is happening in New York, just like it's happening in Chicago and Detroit and San Francisco and elsewhere. So today, we're also, we're going to speak to Leo Terrell, who is a very well-known civil rights attorney. You see him on Fox all the time. He has spent his entire life as a Democrat, as an activist, as a radical, and he is now America First. He's now totally pro-Trump and has left the Democrat Party. We're going to talk to him about this. This is going to be a pure fire conversation with Leo coming up here later today. But when we talk next week to Gavin Wax, we are going to talk about what is going on in America's cities. The Democrats are freaking out. They're freaking out because... A substantial number of black voters and Latino voters are now crossing over. They're leaving the Democrat Party. In fact, there was a new Siena College poll out of New York statewide. So not just New York City, but statewide. And of course, upstate New York is far more conservative than downstate New York, meaning New York City and Long Island. But Siena College just came out with a poll showing that among Latino voters— Donald Trump is leading in New York State, leading Joe Biden by three points. And overall in New York State, Biden is only leading Trump by nine points. Now, it only takes a half a point to win, right? So nine points. But when you talk about deep blue states like this, nine points is not a significant lead. It's enough to win Biden the state, obviously, but in the scheme of things, when you look at the history of New York state, Democrats have won for president there by like 30 points, 40 points, and it's all downstate. It's the city, it's Long Island, it's suburbs of the city. But now, Biden is only leading Trump by nine points. Again, I don't know how realistic it is that I, I think President Trump thinks that he can put New York in play. Maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But we're going to have this conversation next week, and Gavin Wax is going to be a part of it. So not to be missed. Um, Some other big guests we're working on and other big things lined up. So get ready for next week as well. All right, today, first up, the Monica Memo. My prescience is relatively unmatched, if I do say so myself. I just want to pat myself on the back here for being absolutely prescient, meaning I do have a knack for being able to see around corners when it comes to politics, the country, the world. As you all know, I think I was the very first non-family public person to identify Donald Trump as a winner Literally within days that he came down the escalator, and I'm on national TV and national radio saying Donald Trump is going to win, he's going to pull the whole thing off. There is something that that it's like a sixth sense maybe it's God talking to me, I don't know. But I've got this knack for being able to see what is going to materialize, what is coming down the pike. And I want to play for you today two clips. From an interview that I gave in March of 2017, I went on Fox News with Sean Hannity, and we were talking about all of the threats coming donald trump 's way. Now again, keep in mind this is March of 2017, so Donald Trump had only been president for eight weeks at the time I spoke to Hannity um, in this interview and I was on alone and we were talking about what president Trump was facing back then of course now 8 years later we see we understand the deep state the propaganda press the uni party the the globalists uh, all of it coalescing big tech all of it coalescing Um, Now we have so much data about the actual collusion between big tech and the FBI throughout that 2016 campaign, throughout his presidency, the Russia hoax. We, We see it all now as one big tapestry of corruption and targeting President Trump because he is an existential threat to all of them. But keep in mind, in March of 2017, we did not know that. We did not have Elon Musk buying Twitter, being able to expose uh, how government was colluding with big tech and the propaganda press to suppress so much information and to, to target those of us who believed in Trump. We had no idea of the depth of corruption. And the Russia hoax was brand new at that period of time, brand new. And the charges that he was a Putin stooge was out there and given massive credibility. Again, Trump had only been president for eight weeks during the time of this interview and had only been elected, uh, what, five months prior? Four months prior? So I want you to understand the timing on this when I said these things to Hannity, okay? So here is the first clip Of me telling Sean Hannity, March of 2017, that President Trump's enemies were very dark, very corrupt, and very intent with one goal in mind, which was to put him in prison.
2: There is a very dangerous and very effective destabilization campaign underway against this president, his administration, and his agenda. And what I hope that the president and his senior aides understand is that these forces are not just looking to delegitimize him. We often talk about that. Sure, they wanna do that they want to personally destroy him, destroy his presidency, and they would like to see the man in prison. I hope that the president understands, I am not overstating this, having been a victim of this myself, they are out for blood. And the reason they have to destroy him is that Donald Trump is an alien organism that has been injected into the body politic by the American people to reform it. He must not be allowed to succeed. They have swarmed him, they have swarmed everybody around him, in order to reject him out of the the system, just like any alien organism. He must Mm -hmm. not be allowed to succeed. And I hope that everybody around him now understands that this is a war and that they started a long time ago, but they will not end until they get the president of the United States.
1: Pretty amazing, right? So what I said, and as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but as far as I know, I was the very first person to publicly say, They won't stop until he is in prison. And I think I was also one of the first people, at least, to talk about the consequences of Trump succeeding. I remember saying, you know, they're not afraid of Trump's failure. They're afraid of Trump's success. Because if, in fact, he succeeds, it destroys them. It destroys their entire corrupt apparatus. The entire system gets blown out because he is not part of the system and because he has his fire trained on destroying the system. Therefore, the system cannot allow him to succeed. We're seeing this to this very day, guys. What do you think Nikki Haley is all about? Nikki Haley is an op. She is an op by the system to tear at Donald Trump, undermine him, drain his resources, beat him up, uh, try to expose his weaknesses going into this next election. This is all the system. But again, in March of 2017, we only had a very top-line understanding of what the system was and what it was doing. But I have said from the beginning that they cannot allow Donald Trump to succeed because that means the end of them. They cannot allow it. And wow, there I was, early 2017, making that point. I want to roll another clip of me, same interview, talking about how all of this was a destabilization campaign against
2: Donald Trump by the system. Listen they want him in prison and then this is what we need to understand so true David Brock and some of these organizations have already raised tens of millions of dollars for an impeachment process then they want jail to the chief they need to understand that this is a war this is we are so far beyond normal politics Sean we are in a very dangerous moment and while President Trump is a very strong leader and a man of strong Constitution he was able to survive all of this during the campaign and get elected president when were president and you are faced with the kind of monolithic opposition you were talking about plus a federal bureaucracy that is completely out to undermine him every day the intelligence community that is engaged in some of this as well that we have heard i hope to god that he is strong enough to withstand this they are out to destroy because if he succeeds the country changes for the good and they must not allow that to happen so, there you have
1: me once again talking about how this is a war. I haven't stopped talking about how it's a war. You hear me talk about it on this show all the time. Donald Trump as an existential threat to the entire corrupt ruling globalist class. People on both sides, not just the left, although the left is leading it, but the whole uni party, Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, etc., Liz Cheney. He is an existential threat to all of them. Therefore, they had to undermine and destroy his presidency and him. And they stopped at nothing, as we now know, in the rearview mirror. The Russia hoax, of course, two fake impeachments, a rigged election, burning down the country, launching a virus, January 6th raiding his home at Mar-a-Lago, now all of this lawfare, Jack Smith, we'll talk to Leo Terrell about all that and where that stands, all of it, this relentless, savage attack on Donald Trump, which began when he came down the escalator June of 2015, when they realized, hey man, he could have legs, this guy could have legs. I wanted to roll those clips for you, and we're going to work them into every show going forward here through the election and probably beyond because I was blown away when I saw this clip of myself. I was like, wow, man, I I nailed it. I nailed it. March of 2017. And now here we are all of these years later where they have not stopped, and the goal still is Donald Trump in prison. Destroyed, along with the rest of us, the rest of America First. It's about destroying Trump, but it's bigger than that. It's about destroying America First. Why? Because America First is a very powerful movement that is the biggest obstacle to them destroying America. America. Um, I want to roll another clip for you. So as you guys know, my very first job out of college was with former President Richard Nixon. There are a lot of similarities, obviously a lot of differences between Nixon and Trump, but there are a lot of similarities too. Most importantly, perhaps, is that both of them were and are targets of the deep state. What do you think Watergate was all about? It's about removing a president that they cannot control, a president who truly represents the American people. That's a conversation for another day, Richard Nixon and Watergate and and the deep state. But I want to bring you this clip, the Nixon Foundation, uh, on which I sit on the board very proudly. Uh, The Nixon Foundation tweeted this out. If you're not following the Nixon Foundation on Twitter, you should, because they put out some amazing stuff also on Instagram, too. Some great flashbacks, and every day on Instagram, they do an OTD on this date. Uh, somehow in Nixon's career, and they'll put up a picture of Nixon with Brezhnev on this date. They were discussing the uh, strategic arms limitation talks or whatever. Anyway, it's a great historical account, so please follow them. Um, They put up this video, and it caught my eye and caught my ear, and I was like, man, I have got to talk about this on the podcast. Um, Here is Richard Nixon. I would guess they they didn't date it, but I would guess it's probably... Mm, maybe maybe mid-1980s, late-1980s, I think before I got to him. I got to him in the early 1990s, mid-1990s. So I think this cut is from an interview he gave with Frank Gannon uh, before my time. But his point about the media is so right on. And I want you to listen carefully to what Richard Nixon has to say about the press
3: think of the media in this country. The problem is uh, that they have a sense of self-righteousness, a double standard on issue after issue after issue. They can find everything wrong with somebody else, but they will not look inside and ever admit that they could be wrong themselves. And what was involved here in the Watergate thing was the unfairness of it. Oh, there was a legitimate thing to investigate, but they refused to balance it. Uh, They allowed their advocacy to get ahead of their reporting, which is their job to do. You know, the media is always talking about uh, the imperial presidency, the power of the imperial presidency. I think we ought to hear a little bit of discussion of the imperial media and its power. You see, presidential power is limited, limited by the courts, limited by the Congress. The media's power is unlimited.
1: The imperial media. From now on, I'm going to use that phrase, and I encourage all of us to use that phrase when we discuss the press. Nixon's point is so right on. He says, look, people talk about the imperial presidency, that the American president's powers have gotten so out of control, uh, they can't be checked. And this was particularly an argument that they made against Nixon, they made it against Reagan, They didn't really make it against Trump. I don't really remember that, but they will. They will. But Nixon's point is, but the presidency has checks and balances on it, balances from uh, Congress, balances from the, the laws on the books, the Constitution, the Supreme Court decisions. There are all kinds of checks on presidential power. But there are no checks on the power of the press to lie, cheat, steal, propagandize, uh, get in bed with the government, as we now know. Get in bed with big tech, as we now know. You see how all of this fits together? My comments from March of 2017 with what Richard Nixon had to say back probably in the, in the 1980s. How it all works together and how all of these dark corrupt forces are co- a- actually colluding to destroy the country and to destroy you and me. Nixon's phrase about the imperial media is brilliant. And from now on, I'm using it everywhere. And I'm I'm obviously giving Nixon credit when I go on Fox and radio shows and everything else. I will give Nixon credit for this phrase. This phrase is freaking brilliant. The imperial media. Exactly. Exactly. And they're more imperial now than ever because they're more out of control than ever because there are no limits on them. And they are now, rather than just being driven by double standards and bias, as Nixon talked about, now they are in bed with the government, which has been weaponized, big tech, which has been weaponized, the culture, which has been weaponized, all weaponized against us and the country. If that's not imperial media, I don't know what is. Imperial media. Speaking of the imperial media, New Hampshire's results blew the the roof off for Donald Trump. Donald Trump has done what no other uh, Republican non-incumbent has accomplished in modern politics. I think the last one was Richard Nixon, actually. So he won both uh, Iowa and New Hampshire by a lot. And he won both with more than 50% of the vote without doing a single debate and while facing down the political uh, machines of two popular sitting governors, Republican governors in Iowa, Kim Reynolds, and New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, and despite all of that, he still won. And he won by a lot. In fact, in New Hampshire, you know, New Hampshire was uh, the other one who's left and not for long, Nikki Haley. Again, she is an op for the system. She is put there to serve the system and try to tear down Trump. But New Hampshire was by far the most difficult early state for Donald Trump, given the fact it's New England, It's uh, there's a big independent streak in New Hampshire, and a lot of left wingers, plus the ability of non-Republicans, independents, Democrats to vote in that primary. And of course, Nikki Haley had massive resources from left wingers like Reid Hoffman and and others putting a ton of money behind her because, again, she is a system op. So Nikki Haley outspent Trump overwhelmingly. And yet, you know what happened in the end? In the end, Donald Trump. Not just one, but in New Hampshire, he actually won more raw votes than any other candidate in the history of the New Hampshire primary. The one who comes up uh, second, Bernie Sanders, who's from the neighboring state of Vermont. Trump blew the lid off. Okay, so we basically had a general election (laughs) on Tuesday night in the state of New Hampshire, and Trump won. Trump won. Again, this is all of a piece. The America First movement, very popular and very powerful. It has survived what I talked about in March of 2017. Donald Trump has survived what I talked about in March of 2017, the destabilization campaign against him, the destruction or attempted destruction of his presidency and the America First movement, the imperial media. It's all of a piece, guys. And Trump and America First are not just still standing, but we are thriving and we are winning. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to deal with this unbelievable Carrie Lake situation. So sit tight. All right. Welcome back. Um, uh, we're going to get to Leo Terrell here in just a minute. That is going to be a pure fire conversation. Not to be missed. We're going to talk to him about his personal journey from radical left wing Democrat politics to becoming a, a pro-MAGA, pro-Trump guy. We'll also talk to him about race in America and the left's lies and manipulations about race. Going to be an incredible conversation. And then we'll talk about the Trump legal cases with him as well. Um, But before we do, I want to cover this Carrie Lake situation. So Carrie Lake has been on this program a couple of times. I consider her a friend. I introduced her at um, an event in Florida a couple of weeks ago, so I got to see her. I'm going to post those pictures on my Instagram pretty soon. Carrie Lake is a amazing, amazing America first candidate and an ally. And she uh, had a conversation last year with someone who at the time she would not identify, but the last time she was on this show last year, she talked about the scenario. And she talked about it at CPAC as well, but she described it here of somebody alighting on her doorstep offering to bribe her on behalf of other people to not enter the Senate race this year in Arizona. So she had described it. She didn't want to name the people involved at the time, but apparently she or someone was recording the conversation and that leaked audio went everywhere, yesterday. I posted it on my Twitter, so if you haven't heard it yet, uh, go to my Twitter account and you'll see the, the audio uh, posted there. What the audio shows is that the then Arizona Republican chairman, a guy named Jeff DeWitt, coming over to Carrie Lake's home, and you can hear Carrie Lake is like snacking, she's trying to eat, having this conversation, and what Mr. DeWitt does is offer to essentially bribe Carrie Lake on behalf of what he called powerful people back east, remember they're Arizona, back east, to get her to not run for the Senate this year. I want you to listen. The audio is, you can hear, hear her clearly, him a little less so, but I want you just to listen. The entire clip is le- something like eight, nine minutes. I, I don't have time to play all of that, but I want you to listen to the essence, that the nugget, the core nugget of their conversation and the offer of the bribe. Listen.
3: So the, the ask of me was, it's kind of funny. So the, the ask I got today from back east was, is this, is this is there any companies out there or something that could just put her on the payroll and give her, to keep her out? And I said, well, what do you want to do? Like, whatever
1: we need to do. This is about defeating Trump. And I think that's a bad, bad thing for our country. DeSantis is not America first. This is about the final death blow to Trump. And I don't think that's good for our country. An
3: I love Trump. I love Trump.
1: It's not good for our country, Jeff. They wanna get Trump so bad. They want him out no, so bad. About Trump. Trump.
3: Just to say, is there a number at which
1: I can be bought. It's not be
3: bought. <laughs> that's what it's about. You can take a pause for a couple of years. No. And then go right back to what you're doing.
1: <laughs> no.
3: 10 million, 20 million, 30, no, no, no. A billion? No. This is not about money. This is about our country.
1: So Mr. DeWitt is caught on tape offering a bribe on behalf of powerful people. And Carrie Lake, to her great credit, showing enormous character and strength, uh, turns it down and says, you know, what, you're trying to put a number on me? Like what's my number where I can be bought? I don't think so. I owe it to the people of Arizona, I owe it to the people of America to stand up and continue to try to fight for the country, so no, I'm not going to stand aside. And she she goes, 10 million, 20 million, 1 billion. At one point, 1 billion. She's like, no, no money is going to get me to sell my country and my state down the river. And you can sense his frustration. And he's like, look, man, I'm just the middleman. They asked me to come to you. And at one point, Carrie Lake says to him, well, why don't you, if you're so uncomfortable with this, as you're telling me you are, Why don't you take this public, go public and expose the powerful people back east who are trying to get you to do this with me? And he goes, no, 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 no. And then he said, yeah, I do that. And then I put my keys in my car and boom. So he is literally talking about if he were to expose this, they would kill him. They being these people that that have offered to bribe Carrie Lake. Now, Carrie Lake says that uh, apparently she's got another tape, maybe more, I don't know, of maybe something even worse going on here. But guys, this is the system. This is what we were talking about in our first block today. This is the system. This is how dark and corrupt it is. And it's not just the left. It's not just the communists who want total control it's the uni party the globalists it is the system they are all working together this is how dirty it is you have to know and i mean worse things happen i mean literally people get eliminated killed right i think that's what he was alluding to here but the 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 scratching of the backs and getting people out of the way and look they have thrown the kitchen sink at donald trump trying to get him out of the way. All of the things that they have leveled at him, all of the lies, all of the impeachments, all of the hoaxes, all of the lawfare, to try to get him out of the way. Carrie Lake, same thing. Name your price for you to get out of the way. That tells you how powerful they are. That tells you how much of a threat they are. And not just Trump and Lake. All of us. What do you think the January 6th nonviolent defendants, what do you think that's all about? Rotting in jail without due process? They're America firsters like Trump, like Carrie Lake, like you and me. Rotting in jail without due process, pretrial detention for, you know, now years on end before their trial. America first is that much of a threat to them. They want us all out of the way. And they will stop at nothing to achieve that. Throwing money around and, you know, he's trying to soft pedal it with her at one point. He's saying, oh, no, don't just go away. She's like, what, you want me to go away forever? Oh, no, 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 just for two years. Just for a couple of years. Put, put yourself on pause, he says. And she's like, hell no. I'm not going anywhere. So good for Carrie Lake for standing up to this. But guys, most of them do not. You have, I mean, if I were to take a a wild stab at a guess here, I would guess maybe 90% of our government, our quote-unquote leaders, are compromised in some way. Maybe sexual hijinks, maybe taking bribes like this, I, I don't know, and maybe worse, maybe they're caught on tape doing drugs, dealing drugs, sleeping with little kids, I don't know, child trafficking, I don't know. But if I had to throw a dart at a guess, I would say maybe 90%. There are people who are immune to this kind of thing and have pristine backgrounds and everything, but they are few and far between. And that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this were the FBI, powerful people back east, FBI, sending him in to talk to Carrie Lake while wearing a wire to see if she'll take a bribe. And then Carrie Lake can never run for anything again because the FBI says, you try, we will destroy you. And we will prosecute you and throw your ass in jail. I would not be surprised. I don't know who did this. We'll find out, I hope. We need names. But this is how dirty the system is, and this is how much of a threat America First is trying to sideline, marginalize, if not outright destroy all of us. Understand it and absorb it. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to Leo Terrell uh, about how he came to America first. You know, our side is a much tougher side to be on, much tougher to be a conservative, America first, pro-Trump, much tougher than to, uh, you know, be a Democrat. Life is easy if you're on the other side. No threats, just cruise along. So to his great credit, he is now one of us, and we're going to talk to him about uh, Trump's legal cases, as well as race in America and how the left weaponizes it. Not to be missed. Sit tight. Well, I am so happy now to welcome my good friend, Leo Terrell. Leo, of course, is a prominent civil rights attorney. He is a Fox News contributor, and he is also a public school teacher. And he might tell us that that is his most important role, to make sure that the young people of this country actually get a solid patriotic education. On Twitter and X, he is at the Leo Terrell. And on True Social, he is at... Leo Terrell. He joins us now. Leo, it is so good to have you here.
0: Monica, it is a privilege. I am happy to be here. And thanks for inviting me. Look forward to this great conversation we're going to have.
1: Oh, me too. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. And we've got a lot to cover with you today. Um, But before we get to all of that, including President Trump and his legal challenges and the election and so on, I'd like to talk a little bit about your personal journey, because it is absolutely fascinating. You were a lifelong Democrat and a left-wing activist, a radical, really, which sort of fit in nicely with your work as a civil rights attorney and so on. And we all re- remember you storming off a live set on Fox News, leaving a spinning empty chair <laughs> in the shot. That's that's what most people remember about Leo Terrell. But you reminded me before we came live— that you and I used to debate each other when I was at MSNBC many moons Mm -hmm. ago. And uh, you and I used to have these fiery debates. And now here you are, and you are a pro-Trump, America first, MAGA fighter. So tell us, what changed for you? Did you have an epiphany? Was there a singular event or moment? Or was this more of a gradual evolution for you?
0: Uh, I'll tell you right now, uh... All those things you mentioned about my past—true, they were painful to hear. I'm going <laughs> to now being a, a big-time Trump supporter, but you're absolutely correct. And I'll tell you to answer your question directly: I've always had a, a independence streak, but I'll go back to the summer of 2020. Uh, you had the riots going on in this country, and you had a guy named Sleepy Joe Biden uh, appearing on a national radio show hosted by a, a black. Uh, host named Charlemagne the God, mm-hmm. and Joe Biden made a statement, Monica, that irritated me. I'm a civil rights attorney. I believe in equality. Joe Biden said, "Quote: If you don't, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black." And that statement made me so upset because it, it made the the assumption that all black people think alike, we act alike, and we must be all Democrats. And strangely enough, uh, the Sean Hannity show reached out assuming that I was going to support Joe Biden's position. So I appeared on Sean Hannity's show next the following week, and uh, he asked me the, my opinion of that comment by Joe Biden. And I went ballistic. I said, this is crazy. This is racist. It's insulting. It's offensive. And people were shocked. You couple that event along with the Democrats' position of defunding the police during the summer 2020 riots, and they were riots, and this was a Democrat party that you know, uh, 20 years, no, uh, yeah, about 20 years earlier, Bill Clinton wanted to put 100,000 law enforcement officers on the street. I have family member in law enforcement, so the defunding the police rhetoric and the "I ain't black, you ain't black" statement, I left the Democrat party. I went. To the Republican Party. I became a Trump Republican. And Monica, in a nutshell, smartest move I've ever made. I'm happier. The Democrat Party that I belong to no longer exists. That party's gone. I remain, I am happy to be a Trump Republican. Been committed since 2020 to try to make America great. And I'll tell you right now, the Democrat Party that I used to belong to, that party is gone. That party no longer exists. It's been taken over by extremists and now happily in the Republican Party. That's why I'm always smiling.
1: Well, that is true. You are always smiling, and most of the time you wear a MAGA hat when you're on TV, and I think Sean Hannity nicknamed you Leo 2.0 because this is the new and improved version of Leo Terrell. Um, You know, it is amazing, and I wanted you to share that story, Leo, because, you know, going from far-left Democrat politics to, say, being an independent is one thing, but going from far-left Democrat politics to being a pro-Trump, America first MAGA, a fighter is something else entirely. And I always want to embrace people like you who have been Democrats. And I mean, you are a very public Democrat in your civil rights mm-hmm. attorney uh, career and so on. Very prominent. You know, political values are your values. And because everything, I mean, at least part of your values, and because everything now is so political, it really does become your identity in many ways. So anybody like you, and I've had former Democrats on this show, Brandon Strzok and and others, anybody like you who is just alienated from the current Marxist, neo-Marxist Democrat Party, and wants to take a look at the other side, should be embraced, should be supported, should be respected, because it is a very difficult thing to do for people. And so, you know, instead of like casting judgment or saying, we're not gonna, we don't want you here, you were radical, we need to embrace people like you and and others who want to cross that line because it is so exceedingly hard to do
0: oh you're absolutely correct and and i'll use a phrase from ronald reagan because he was a democrat he said i didn't leave the democrats democrats left me right monica the democrat that i the democrat party that i grew up with that party's gone the the democratic party is no longer the party of the middle class that that's the trump republican party democrats represent the party of elite silicon valley Hollywood. The average American does not belong to the Democrats because they don't care about us. And what I find attractive being a Republican, because my values haven't changed, Monica. What has changed is that the party that cares about the everyday American citizen is the Republican Party under Trump. That the average man who wants to get a job, wants to advance, wants quality education, wants law and order, those, are, those to me are American values, and I can only find those in the Republican Party under Trump.
1: Yes, it is amazing how the parties have sort of switched their bases, right? And what they represent and who they represent. The Democrats now are a radical neo-Marxist party that only represent the coastal elites, the system, the ruling class, the security state, law enforcement, you know, at least the elite law enforcement, DOJ, FBI, and the working people are now all Republicans. So the shift has been very dramatic. Now, uh, Leo, you were obviously welcomed with open arms by us conservatives. What was the reaction from your left-wing friends to your new political home? Uh,
0: it was not surprising, but disappointing. Mm. Uh, Name-calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, house fell out. Uh, house Negro. Uh, you've, you know, you've gone over to the other side for all the wrong reasons. And I'll tell you right now, what, found, what I found amazing, again, I didn't leave them. And, and the party's been hijacked by those, by those elitists. Look, as a civil rights attorney, as a Democrat, I believe in equality for everyone. They believe in, in demonizing certain individuals based on race. They have taken over the whole concept of, of equal opportunity and flipped it over to identity politics. I can't, I can't accept that. They have, they have destroyed the concept of, of a civilized society by, by, by wanting to destroy law enforcement, by trying to abolish the criminal justice system. I, I didn't grow up that way. And, 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 and so the name-calling, that doesn't bother me. I've heard worse. But it, it is surprising that my values haven't changed, but those on the extreme left who wants to destroy America and destroy all the great things about this country— they have now decided to take aim at anyone who disagrees with everything about them. Anything.
1: Yes. That is exactly right. You know, you we've talked a little bit about race here, and I want to get into it a little bit more deeply. And I want to start with um, a tweet that you send to President Biden. You also put it up on True Social. And I think for over a thousand days now, you have tweeted at President Biden, quote, President Biden, you love to play the race card. Every day of your administration, I will send you a tweet which will ask you two questions where does systemic discrimination exist in America? And what have you done to eliminate systemic discrimination? So my first question to you, Leo, and I love when I see that in your Twitter feed every day, have you received a response from President Biden or his White House?
0: I want to thank you for this question. Let me answer your question directly. No, I haven't heard I've heard cricket. I have not heard from the president or anyone from the Biden administration. And that question is so important every day to ask. You see, Monica, the left plays the, left plays the race card and they won't let it go. We don't live in 1955 any longer. We don't live in 1965 any longer. There is. I want to be clear. This is coming from a, an American first, a civil rights attorney second, and a black American. There is no systemic racism in this country. Yes, there is racism. But I challenge anyone listening to this podcast, anyone who follows me on Twitter, identify the department and the white boogeyman that exists in a government operation where systemic racism exists. You know who's yelling out systemic racism more than anyone else? Democrat mayors in Chicago, Los Angeles, and New York who happen to be black. Where is it? Where is the systemic racism? It does not exist. But that's the game the Democrats will play to keep black people thinking that racism is an everyday aspect of life and that they're there to protect them. It is a lie. It is a big lie. And systemic racism no longer exists. Again, racism on an individual basis still exists? Yes. We're not perfect. But the government? No. Absolutely not. By the way, we had a black president and we have a person of color as vice president right now.
1: You know, thank you for saying this, Leo. It's a really, really critically important point um, for you to make and for the audience to hear. Systemic discrimination as a legal matter does not exist in America today. Okay. It does not. To your point, you cannot legislate people's hearts and minds. But as a society, you can do your best to create a colorblind society, which we have done in the United States, except, as you point out, for the left constantly pushing racism as a narrative in order to divide and conquer us along racial lines and more importantly to keep the african american community in this country down as a permanent democrat voting block and every time i think of this leo i think that that by at the hands of the democrats that is a crime against humanity what they have done over the last many decades to the black community in this country keeping them down touting racism um uh, just to keep them as a permanent uh, democrat voting block That is a crime against humanity. It is absolutely disgusting and evil.
0: You are so, so well stated, 100% in total agreement. And you know what? They don't care. And they're continuing it. Mm -hmm. They're they're, going to play that card until they finally realize it doesn't work. It still works because they have the individual. As long as you have your Al Sharptons, as long as you have your, 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 your Brandon Johnson in Chicago and and your Eric Adams. The first thing that they'll resort to when they are making mistakes, when they are not working in the best interest of the people, racism, the race card, the race card. It pops out as their affirmative defense to hide their incompetence, to hide their misconduct and sometimes to hide their crimes against America.
1: Yeah, and also to hide their political agenda, which they know they cannot get through without these standing voting blocks for Democrats, mostly blacks, right? So listen, the entire black community should be listening to you and not Al Sharpton. You are the hero of the black community. And, you know, I've always said, Leo, that those who see racism where it does not exist are the racists. Driving this narrative and, and this lie about, you know, rampaging racism in America. It is so insidious and it's so destructive. Again, to your point, it doesn't mean that there aren't racists out there and there isn't racism. But as a systematic, as a legal question, it does not exist in this country. And as far as I'm concerned, America is the best country in terms of moral good because we actually saw the evil of racism as, a, like, in institutionally in this country. And we took action politically, culturally, socially in order to rectify it. And, and we have done everything possible legally as a society to rectify it. And it's disgusting that these race hustlers are out there telling these lies about this country and the American people.
0: You're absolutely correct. And if this country was so racist, Monica, uh, last time I checked, there's thousands of people trying to get into this racist country. because <laughs> This is the land of opportunity. Right. This is equal opportunity. This is where people can advance themselves. This is where people get a great education, a great job and a great quality of life. But again, the Democrats want to hold on to this race card because it's the only way they can maintain power over blacks and people of color, if they lose two, three, four percentage of black voters, they're no, they no, no longer exist. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're afraid of. Yeah. And that's what I think Trump, the Trump uh, uh, Republicans are attracting people of all color, all Americans who want only one thing, a quality, good quality of life.
1: Do you think it's dawned on the black community yet, Leo, that they are being replaced? And yes, I'm using that word replaced by the hordes of illegal immigrants coming across the border that now the illegals are going to be the favored group among Democrats. Has it dawned on the black community yet?
0: That is a I, I hope every American listen to this podcast worldwide. That's a powerful question. To answer your question, do they are they aware of it yet? Not, not the, the, the population. A few, yes. But that's what's happening. You see, the Democrats realize that they're losing their grip, their 99.9% grip on the black community. They're losing it. They know it. Because you have black celebrities speaking out, and then they get chastised. So what they're doing, they're, the Democrats are anticipating the future. Exodus of blacks leaving the party. So they are being replaced by those who are illegally crossing the border. And they, have, they believe in open borders for one reason. They are looking for new Democrat voters to replace Blacks and people of color who have wised up to the Democratic sc- scheme. And that, you're right. There's no doubt in my mind that's the end game of the Democrats, and hopefully Blacks will wake up. The problem that they don't, the reason why they don't, aren't aware of it, Monica, is simply this, 95 percent of the media is in the back pocket of the Democrat party. Mm-hmm. And so the message is not getting out this. That's why I hope this podcast is heard in every black community throughout the whole entire world, because this is what's happening and the Democrats will lie and cheat to keep power.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. And you know, we're seeing this video footage from the inner cities across this country, Chicago, Detroit, Atlanta, New York, Washington, San Francisco, where uh, black residents are standing up screaming at their Democrat representatives from city council to mayor all the way up because the illegal immigrants are taking over their communities. There is rampant crime. They're draining all the resources from education to medical care. And the black folks in these communities are livid. They're so angry and they have every right to be. And I think that is. Starting to wake them up. So maybe, you know, maybe Donald Trump will get, I don't know, I don't want to jinx this, Leo, but he could get maybe upwards of 25, 30% of the black vote. What do you think?
0: If he, I, 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 I first of all, double digits, yes. If he gets 20%, game over, Monica. Yeah. The Democrats, well, it will be a landslide, 20%. And, and, and Donald Trump, if you're listening to this program, which you should, send me to Chicago. Send me to Detroit. Send me to Atlanta. Let me push this issue as to what's happening as a result of illegal immigration. By the way, let me also add another caveat. Let's talk about school choice later on, too, in these communities. Send me as your surrogate, because there are black voters who have basically said, I'm tired of this democratic lie. We are not being treated fairly. We need an alternative. And the alternative is to become a Trump Republican.
1: Before we get to, and we just have a couple of minutes left with you, Leo, you've been so kind. Um, I just want to go through President Trump's Record with regard to the African American community in this country. As president, Donald Trump created massive economic opportunity for blacks with higher wages and historically low black unemployment. He gave unprecedented support for historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs. He did criminal justice reform with Jared Kushner and others, and he created opportunity zones for underserved communities so that blacks and other minorities could launch their dreams, small businesses, etc., with tax breaks and other economic incentives. He did a tremendous amount uh, for the black community. And of course, Democrats hide that. The press hides that. Nobody wants to report that. But we just did. Um, uh, Leo, let's turn to, because you are an attorney, Uh, What is your sense of where these Trump legal cases, all this lawfare being uh, leveled at Donald Trump by the Democrats and the left and the Soros prosecutors, uh, where are we on these cases? And let's start. With Fannie Willis, who is the the Fulton County DA, um, caught in a massive sex scandal, hired her boyfriend, $700,000 in taxpayer money to the boyfriend, never tried a felony case before. I mean, the the whole scandal is beyond belief. Where are we in that case? Do you expect it to unravel? Is she going to be bounced from the case? Are they going to replace her with somebody as bad or worse? Or does the whole case go away?
0: I think it could be a combination of all those things. First of all, uh, she, she she should be fighting for her her legal career. She has a conflict, and it it brings into play what Trump has said over and over again. He was singled out. They're using. They have weaponized the criminal justice system to go after President Trump and eighteen other defendants. Fannie Willis has a conflict of interest. By by what you just articulated, she hires her boyfriend to prosecute. Trump. And what has unraveled is the fact that there is a misappropriation of funding by basically this money being given to this attorney who has no qualifications whatsoever to prosecute Trump. And I guarantee you, this case is going to be delayed and it could be thrown out. Why? Because the motivation of the, of the, of the case was strictly to go after Trump. And if a fresh pair of prosecutorial eyes look at this case, they may say this case is worthless. It has no merit whatsoever. So I'll tell you right now, everything about the Atlanta case involving Fannie Willis is on hold. Trump doesn't have to worry about that case in 2024. And in my opinion, depending on the outcome of the inquiry into Fannie Willis and her lover, uh, this case may be dismissed.
1: Wow. Well, we can only hope. Uh, that's for sure. What about the two Jack Smith cases? You've got the one, the January sixth case. That's all tied up. That's going to go to the Supreme Court, uh, and it's on pause while it goes there. You have got the classified documents case uh, in Florida, where the judge Eileen Kinnon, in that case has is is uh, you know saying we cannot rush this. So that looks like that's not going to go anywhere. What about Jack Smith? I you
0: know first of all, if anybody. Jack Smith is a Democrat operative, right? I mean, he had three years to work on this case and prosecute this case. He brings it in the election year. I I mean, you got to give Trump credit for just being able to withstand all these phony, phony criminal charges against him. The man's facing, what, 90 some odd charges, uh, hundreds of years in prison. But I'll tell you right now. The case in Washington, D.C. that is currently before the Court of Appeals, that case is not going to see daylight as far as the trial in 2024. All bets are off on the merits of that case. If Trump gets elected, I guarantee that case will probably be dismissed. But my point is that the charges, the actual charges, are, are, are inconsistent with the acts that Trump is being accused of. Let me be clear. Trump was not accused of insurrection. He's accused of somehow conspiring to upset or to disrupt the rights of individuals in an official proceeding. I don't believe, Monica, this case will see a trial date in 2024. After your election, we'll see what happens. But if Trump is elected, I think both that case in Washington, D.C. and the case in, Marlo- in in Florida will be dismissed by way of uh, a new Attorney General, a new Department of Justice.
1: I'm not an attorney, Leo, so let me ask you this question. Um, it used to be, maybe it was an unspoken rule, that uh, if you've got any kind of politically charged case, that it's not to be tried or any kind of uh, legal activity surrounding that case 90 days before an election. Is that, is that an unspoken rule? Is it an actual statute? What, what, or, and am I completely wrong about that?
0: No, no, no. You're spot on. It's a a DOJ policy. It's not a law. It's not a law. And let me be clear. Democrats don't play by rules. Right. Democrats don't play by rules, policies, uh, regulations. Monica, I want to be as clear as I can. The Democrats will do anything to keep Trump out of office. So if you're if you're asking me, is it possible there could be a trial within 90 days of the election? Sure. Because the the, the, the Department of Justice is part of the Democrat Party. And so uh, nothing legally stops Trump from being prosecuted or a trial taking place within 90 days. It depends on the judge. It depends on whether or not the judge grants a continuous. And, of course, Trump will exercise his appellate rights to have the trial continue if the judge decides to push forward within 90 days of the uh, actual election.
1: Okay, got it. Yes, you're, you're so right. They don't play by any rules, so they could care less. Um, and finally, the um, New York cases, you've got this uh, absurd uh, rape case, that defamation case with E. Jean Carroll, but probably more importantly, you've got this uh, case where they're trying to destroy Trump's businesses, everything he's worked for his entire life, Trump organization trying to really bankrupt him and uh, prevent him from ever doing business in New York State again. Um, that case has come to an end what do you expect to see there
0: uh definitely appeals for this trial judge uh in the fraud case where they're trying to basically wipe trump business uh access out of his hands and take over his entire business empire in new york uh the final story on that case is going to be on the appellate level and i'll tell you right now monica what separates america from every other country is a rule of law right now trump is being treated unfairly under the rule of law. The appellate court and the highest court in the country has not yet ruled on that case. So I, I think, thank goodness Trump has the resources and the attorneys who will fight this case. And I see a adverse ruling against him at the trial level. But I think the final verdict in the case in New York with Leticia James, I think is going to be completely reversed. Uh, Trump is being charged with a a violation of law that has never been applied to any other business in new york state never before that is a perfect example of selective prosecution i want to make one other statement which is i think is very clear trump is going to have a great civil lawsuit for retaliatory prosecution in, in atlanta and in new york after these cases are finally resolved in his favor
1: Yes, good. And I hope he does it. I was asking the question the other day, like, who watches the prosecutors? And and can we yes. prosecute the prosecutors for uh, yes. prosecutorial abuse, which is, you know, these cases in space? OK, before I let you go, Leo, when President Trump is reelected, would you like to serve in his administration?
0: Uh, let me uh, quick answer. Yes, because I love this country. I, I, I am a Trump Republican Uh, Monica, and that's very different than just a Republican. I'm a person who really want to make this country great. Uh, President Trump has four years on the books in which he demonstrated his commitment to America. If I got a call from the president to serve in his White House, the answer is definitely yes. Amen.
1: Amen. Attorney General Leo, what do you think?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I will serve the president wherever he wants me, period. Well, I, I, I mean, I just, I just want to work for him.
1: Well, I, I, work for this country. I love that. I love to hear that. I think you'd be a superb attorney general, and uh, if not that, I think you'd be an even better head of the civil rights division at the Department of Justice. How do you like the sound of that?
0: I'll tell you right now. I'll be. I, I, I hope I don't sound like a politician. I'll serve wherever the president wants to be. <laughs> Anywhere, I just, I just want to work for this man. And if, if, if I was a White House counsel, special advisor in the White House, in the West Wing, give him advice on those areas. I would love it. I would work twenty-four-seven for President Trump and for America.
1: Well, we would be lucky to have you as a country uh, serving in his administration. The great Leo Terrell, civil rights attorney, Fox News contributor, public school teacher on social media on Twitter slash X. He is at the Leo Terrell. Follow him there. Also on true social at Leo Terrell. Leo, you are the best. Thank you so much.
0: Monica, thank you, thank you, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: Please tell everybody you know about the Monica Crowley podcast, your friends, family, colleagues We want to grow this audience and get the word out about the truth of what is going on and the stakes for 2024. So please uh, be my amplifier and tell everyone you know about this show. Thank you guys so much. Have a fantastic weekend, and I will see you right back here next week with more bigness, more truth, and more happy warrior spirit. This episode of the Monica Crowley podcast was produced by Behackel Entertainment, LLC.